1: Hundred and forty-third episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity to with positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summits, and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always back from Orlando, Florida, for AEW Revolution Week. We have my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson
2: Jr. My man. I mean, like, how was your week? Alright man, uh, the week was excellent, I literally, I can say it was a perfect trip, uh, we're going to talk about it in detail in a minute, but uh, as some of you may know that listen to this show and follow me on Facebook, uh, but last month, about a little over a month ago, a friend of mine that I was fairly close to passed away from COVID, and I've been struggling for over a month with it, just really struggling it, grief, that kind of thing, and man this weekend uh came at the right time. I just got to get away, got to not think, got to you know appreciate life, got to do something really nice for some people I admire and it was just it was really a perfect weekend. It was really exactly what I needed. I was I'm exa- I was exhausted yesterday. My feet hurt, my legs hurt from all the walking I did. But as far as mentally it put me in a different place in a new place, and you know, you know, I have to get onto to a life with a new normal. If you've noticed on the show, we've done the show, but like like I didn't always post the shows and stuff. it was just the monotony and everything in life had gotten to me, and I just couldn't it was just like things I didn't really feel anything, and like nothing mattered to me. So, it was just like, I was going through that. I was going through that thing. I, I mean, I was open with my friends and family, but I wasn't, I had never to actually discussed it on here. But I am really feeling like I'm in a better place right now. That's why I'm letting you know. And I can get back on my grind as far as this podcast. And we can get you talking to some wrestling. And, yeah, because, you know, it's funny. It's funny. It was just like, I kind of forgot how to feel. It was like I was watching stuff, I was experiencing stuff, but nothing moved my needle left or right. I was just even, and that's not how I work. If you listen to me, I work very loudly, and I'm very excitable, and everything makes me happy. And it was weird experiencing that, because I am a man that is so emotional and reacts to everything. It was just, it's good to feel like I'm back.
1: Yeah, man, it's it's really good to have uh, have you back on the show and feeling a lot more like yourself because I know you were. I saw your post about it. And I did. I never really wanted to bring it up because, I, like, when we even when we talked off podcast, because it seemed like it was really touchy, and I didn't want to cut into a fresh wound there. But I'm glad that the being at Revolution, being in Orlando for that wild week, which again we'll get to his whole weekend. Uh, Down the show, but I'm glad that it like you feel recharged and you feel like more like yourself because it like you deserve to have a weekend that helps like kind of make you feel a lot better. So I'm glad I'm glad that the the weekend was as so good as it was.
2: And yeah, I just shout out to my travel companion, Tiffany. And I know everyone sees me in pictures and everyone sees that. Just want to clarify. That's what we are. She's like my close friend. I go to wrestling with her. My wife's not really into wrestling, so she says, hey, go with your friend and watch wrestling. And that's what we do. So if you see me in pictures with wrestlers with my friend Tiffany, yeah, that's what she is. She is my bestie travel companion, and I love it. I love it, and it's just like it's cool to travel and experience stuff with people that feel like wrestling and love wrestling as much as you do.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I'm glad that y'all had such a great time. We're going to get into everything, of course. we got to get run down the craziness that was AEW Revolution 2022. So that's going to be the focus of this show. And Floyd's time being in Orlando for AEW Revolution. Before we get into everything, though, we got to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider Red Circle but the easiest way to support us is by following us on social media on Twitter we are at AT Elite Pod at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible check out all the other shows they have on their network I am at Austin Sumowitz S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter, and the big news of the week, of course, is AEW Revolution, but I guess we'll put this in big news of the week because of it happening beforehand, and we weren't able to talk about it because Floyd was in Orlando for this announcement, but it was the fact that AEW has been purchased, Tony Khan has purchased
2: Ring of Honor, AEW purchased Ring of Honor. It's huge, massive news. I wanted to clarify that for some people that might not know. Tony Khan bought the Ring of Honor, not AEW. So they did not well, yeah, buy. Yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to declare because it it, it it is a distinct difference. Like so, it, because Tony Khan, in his personal self, bought our uh, Ring of Honor. He owns Ring of Honor, but AEW is still a, a separate LLC and entity, right? So he might, you know, he might merge those two things or whatever later date. But at this point in time. Yeah, like none of the AEW finances and reporting are going include a $40 million purchase. Or I heard it was like 40 to $60 million purchase of, uh, ring, uh, of ring of Honor. So, and I literally thought, uh, so I actually got to be in the building when he made the decision or made the announcement. And I'm like, kind of heard, you know, it was one of the rumors and literally... Everybody thought he was buying it to eventually go to a streaming service or sell to HBO Max. I've heard a lot of different things, but over the week, and this is a good thing, we're now talking about it. Now we found out he's going to run ROH as ROH. He's going to be the booker. He's going to book a second company. I think that's fucking nuts.
1: Yeah, I don't know how he can do like like like. The craziness of running one wrestling company is enough, but, like, now he's going to run a second one. And, like, I know people were reportedly thinking, like, the idea was that they were going to have Ring of Honor almost be as if it was developmental for AEW. But, like, if he's just booking
2: Ring of Honor outright, it's just, like, just fucking nuts in itself. Yeah, big thing is, I mean... Again, I know nothing. I don't know inside things. And if I do know inside things, I generally try to give you a spoiler alert. I mean, like, so you could not listen to it. But I thought about it. If you think about all the people that were released from WWE, a big name that was released from WWE was Gabe Sapolsky. And now if you're a wrestling fan, you know who Gabe Sapolsky is. He was one of the original writers for ROH, right? And it's like, if Tony's booking, right, and he's booking AEW and he wants to book ROH, you know, it might be smart to bring on someone to help. And Gabe Sapolsky has done that on that level forever. And, you know, the booker of wrestling, I think, is, I think it can be misconstrued. It's kind of like the culture of a football team. You can have, you can have, uh, for people to know Football, you can have someone like Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is the CEO of Tampa Bay. He has a guy that runs the offense, Byron Lefwich, and then he has the guy that runs the defense. Uh, guy that runs the defense, and he's still the head coach. The wins goes under his names, but the, he leaves the X's and O's to his coaching. He, but he's still the coach. That's kind of how the Booker works. The Booker, all he is, is the final decision maker. There are still other people that come up with decisions and ideas and might be in charge of different storylines. But as the booker, all he is is the final decision maker. So everybody's like, well, maybe he might not be able to handle uh, handle it all. Well, yeah, if he's micromanaging every detail of both companies, yeah, that might end up being a little too much, especially since he's helps with the football team, especially since he helps with the soccer team and all that kind of stuff. But if he's actually the type of boss that most people think he is, he's going to have a lot of people managing things, and he's just going to kind of be the overseer. Yeah,
1: and yeah that, that makes a lot of sense, too. But just the news itself and the way he announced it, too, being like, there's no Shane, it's, it's me, not Shane. It's, I like it, that. I appreciate that.
2: So many WCW references, as in the first match, uh, on the first show of ROH, uh, Brian Danielson wrestled Chris Daniels, and then on the show after Tony Khan announced, it was so good to see him back. We get Brian, we get Brian Danielson versus Chris Daniels. It's it was a it's an amazing story. I love that they hit on the little nerd things, you know, even things when they don't, when I don't understand them, they do callbacks. And, I mean, that has become a hot topic this week. Can, can you do comics that, that not <laughs> everyone understands? I, oh personally, I, I personally have read one comic book in my whole life. One comic book. I've read Deadpool. I bought it on uh, Amazon about six years ago because I, I just wanted to read Deadpool, right? And I read that comic. Other than that, and this is being 100% serious, I never read a comic book in my life. My favorite movie franchise, movie series, whatever, are the Marvel movies, and in every Marvel movie that they've done, they've done two or three callbacks to the comic books that I've never read, right? And I sure. didn't know that those callbacks existed. Do you know how much it, how much effect that it had on my experience of experience in loving Marvel movies? Zero. But it did help them. I and I don't think it affected many yeah, other people either. Yeah, but those people that did love comic books and did remember, it probably enhanced their uh, comic book, I mean, their uh, movie experience. It didn't take away from mine, but it enhanced theirs. So, I say that to say, yeah, you're not going to get all of it. You're not. I mean, shit, uh, and it's fine if you don't. Yeah, it's people like Dave Mel- Meltzer uh, misses some of the references. And then he'll read on Twitter and be like, oh, that did happen. Because a lot of wrestling has happened over the time. A lot of companies have happened. A lot of storylines. A, uh, a lot of themes have happened. You're not expected to know all of it. And because you're not expected to know all of it, don't get hung up on it when you don't. Just move on. I mean, put two to two together. Again, I was sitting at the show Sunday, and we're going to talk about that. Like, we're going to jump right into that after we do this. But, yeah, ROH, big news. Like, earth-shattering world news. I personally think ROH is in the safe, capable hands of Tony Khan. Uh, I, I had once had a friend tell me that I show blind loyalty to Tony Khan. And I was like, you're using that term incorrectly. And he was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Blind loyalty is when someone has not proven anything to you, and you follow them for no reason, right?" It'd be like, like, like I've never seen you play baseball, and I just let you, you know, I'd be like, "Austin's going to be the manager of my baseball team." That would be blind loyalty. I don't know. AEW, I am. At, this weekend was my thirty-first AEW show. I've never disliked an AEW show, right? So the fact that I have faith in what Tony Khan is about to do with ROH doesn't come from blind loyalty. It comes from this dude has already proven that he's really good, so why would I doubt him now?
1: That's that's really it, but we'll, we'll move off of the Ring of Honor purchase news, and we'll get into AEW Revolution itself. We'll run really quickly through the buy-in matches. We opened up with the buy-in uh, Chris Statlander versus Layla Hirsch. I thought this was a fine enough match. I thought the story going into it was, again, it was pretty weak regarding it, but I was glad at least we got to see these two wrestle because these two are really good uh, additions to the women's roster that they've had. Um, it was a relatively quick match, but eventually at the end, uh, the match finished off with, uh, uh, Layla Hirsch tried to pull, uh, one of the hooks from the turnbuckles off. And then she did threw it under the ring, uh, got it from under the ring and cracked Chris Statlander in the head, hit a moonsault and got the win. Uh, after afterwards and, uh, Red Velvet then came down to check out on Statlander. I think this is fair. Layla Hirsch wouldn't really could have used a win that like established herself and getting it over Chris is a good thing. And yeah, she did use some pretty, uh, heinous tactics in terms of like taking the metal turnbuckle hook and smacking it over the head of Chris. Uh, it's still a good win for her, so I think I, it's I not what I thought would have happened, but I'm I'm fine with it. And, yeah, there wasn't really too much to add to it. Again, a lot of the buy-in stuff that happened, for the most part, was just kind of like you could move through it pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, just real quick. They wanted you to believe – they wanted you to be more emotionally invested in this story than there was actually emotional investment they worked their asses off they did this uh like suplex from the apron to the outside of the ring they worked their asses off uh but in you know and they treated it like a pay-per-view match and Layla getting the win i think she needed a win because she yeah. was kind of the, like uh, the uh, she's she was losing a lot so uh this was a nice little upset over chris and it was a great way to start the show I mean, it was a good match. You know, it was a good match. It was a pre-show match.
1: Yeah, we then had actually uh, Tony Schiavone to do an interview uh, for the buy-in, and he was supposed to interview Kenny Omega, but Don Callis lacarney himself walks out, being like, "Were you expecting somebody else? Because like, you don't get Kenny Omega tonight." It's like we gave you one of the best title runs in this business. He had injuries, and I blame all of you for that, because you, you fans sucked the blood and the life out of Kenny Omega. But it's still going to be a great night on Revolution for the Elite. The Young Bucks will win the tag titles. Kenny's going to be—he created the group within a group here, and if he was here, he'd be winning the AW World title. But since he isn't, Adam Cole's going to be a fantastic transitional champion right until Kenny Omega walks back through the doors and takes the belt back. Honestly, kind of good to see Don back, Weird, weird enough as it is to say— but, um, nice to keep Kenny, uh, out, th- like, uh, mentioning, though, because, again, like, he was so huge in terms of just his run in, in, uh, as the AEW champion. Um, but, yeah, that was, I thought that was a fine enough promo. And then, like, honestly, like, with the Hook and QT match, Hook kicked kick the shit out of QT. was really all you fucking needed. Because yeah. uh, he got the red rum on see, him. Despite that,
2: you got to see him sell a little bit. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. A
1: little bit, yeah. No, because yeah. yeah, QT would got a cheap shot on him to get a little bit of sell.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, but it was just another hook match. You know, he's hookberg right now. He is pretty much Hookberg. Uh, and then moving
1: on from that, the last buy-in match was Death Triangle with Eric Redbeard having his first match in AEW, teaming with Pack and Penta Oscura, facing off against the House of Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, and Malachi Black. In terms of the buy-in matches, this was definitely your selling point. I mean, this had so much great offense. And just seeing Eric actually get to wrestle in AEW is fucking cool in itself. I
2: forgot how good he was. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. I forgot how good he was. He's so fluid and so physical, and you saw him moving around the ring, hitting the agile moves. He was always in the right spot. I forgot how good he was because he was just rowing for so long that you forget this dude can actually fucking wrestle, like, really good. And then I thought Brody King kicked ass. I thought they the two big guys were the MVP of the match. Uh, I don't know, like... I don't. It looks like the match was kind of booked to spotlight them, but it was just like you could just—they just stuck out so much. And in the end, they protected them because it took a lot to keep them down. And, oh yeah, and yeah, it was I thought it was a really fun match. I thought it would have fit perfectly on the pay per view. I, I really do. I mean, it was a great. It could. It
1: could have tr- been if they, if they if they wanted it to be, they could have taken it off the bite and put it on the main card. They could have.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and there was a bad match. I don't know. There was a match on the main card, which I'm not going to say, but there was a match on the main card that probably should have just been on the buy.
1: We'll get to that, though. But, yeah, of course, the match ended with Redbeard getting surrounded, got sprayed with mist, and then eventually he got pinned by Malachi Black and the House of Black gets the win. Um, so, again, it took a lot to take him down. So, like, nothing against Redbeard because he he shined by far as
2: one of the big, like, yeah, shining moments if this in this was match. A tryout match uh there's no mm-hmm. way you sold it yeah you sold your, yeah, he, yourself no, yeah yeah and you know and uh, you look at tony's probably going to be trying to uh develop a roster like specifically for roh he might have you know there's a lot more spots going to be available now so that would be i think he yeah. would be great there as of the big man on that roster a W For sure, yeah. AEW's a, a little deep right now. I, I mean, it's at the point you're like, even with the people that uh, show You got to be selective. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, and then who's supposed to show up this Wednesday? Woo! Yeah, TV time is about There's to be a sparse. Lot. TV time is about to be sparse. Yeah, it's very sparse.
1: Yeah, well, we'll get into the main card now for AEW Revolution. We open things up with Chris Jericho taking on Eddie Kingston. And uh, this match, honestly, like, I'm glad that this led towards a little bit more of heelish Chris Jericho. Because, like, look, I, I I love Chris, and I know a lot of people have had a lot of issues with what Chris has been doing as of late uh, recently. And I think it's just because, like, while I think Chris is an... a a solid babyface, I think, honestly, the thing that keeps Jericho a babyface is Judas. That's literally the one thing that keeps him a babyface. But in reality, Chris Jericho is a masterful heel. He's just... that's The thing that made him pop in AEW is the fact that he's such a good heel, and as the first AEW champion as a heel, he did so good. And Eddie Kingston is fucking beloved. So the fact that he kind of... We had a little bit more of a heelish Chris Jericho, I think really... It sold this match way more than it would have if it was just babyface, babyface. And I think that was the thing that worked on it because he was flipping off the crowd, he was being a lot more showboaty, Jericho a bit. Um, but eventually, Eddie Kingston um, continued. There was a great moment where Jericho was super, like he superplexed Eddie Kingston off the ring apron onto the floor, which was nu- which was a very tough spot. Uh, in terms of just a difficult bump, but eventually, as Jericho was trying to get him to stay down, and he tried to go for the Judas effect, he missed and hit uh, exposed re- uh, turnbuckle, which I don't even think the 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 commentators noticed that spot. But he missed and hit the ter- the exposed turnbuckle, which gave the ability for Eddie Kingston to get the uh, stretch plum, and then Chris Jericho had to tap out, and Eddie gets the win, getting his big win in, on Revolution. He tries to go and shake Chris Jericho's hand, but he does not keep his word about what he said, where he would shake his hand and said, "Well done, kid." Uh, if he if he finally won the big one, and he just he didn't do it. Jericho didn't do it, and I think there's doubt in this man to see like how much longer can he go. I think that's which to me is an interesting story to do with Jericho as opposed to like why well, I, I was fine with the stuff he did with uh, uh, American Top Team. I know a lot of people weren't really into it, which is fine. Uh, But I think an idea of Chris Jericho really grappling with, like, is his time coming to an end is an interesting story. And I think it's the type of story that I would think if Jericho was to end his career on, I think, would be the
2: one that he would try to go for.
1: But, again, that's just speculation. But this was a solid opening match, I think.
2: Oh, I love this match. I mean, loved this match. I mean, this is straight strong style. Uh, when i was introduced to, oh they beat the shit out of each other yeah when i was introduced to new japan and pro wrestling uh th- there was this division called the never open weight division uh and they just it was literally two people beating the shit out of each other i think it was uh goto and um Minoru suzuki is like one of the first matches i ever saw and it was just like it was a fight and it was like at those moments where you question whether it, if wrestling is real or not That's what this match was. It was just like from the first opening suplex to just them beating the shit out of each other, chopping the shit out of each other. Oh, yeah. This would have fit right on any New Japan show, and the crowd would have been into it. The fact that Jericho shows that he might, I mean, literally, he might be the most versatile wrestler of all time. If you think about all the different types of matches he's been in in his career and how he excels in every one of them. He can be in a match with the Young Bucks. He could be in the match with he can be in the match with um which one uh, Naito, Omega, Hangman. Every match you go through, even his match with Cody, it's like they're always he always delivers. And it's just like, is there are any matches ever five stars? He he has a few in there but shit, everything's right there. Everything's right there. Everything's enjoyable. And it's like I'm just like he can make you boo him, he can make you cheer him. He has the rock star image. I'm just like man, when you when you start looking at, it, I wouldn't call him the goat. I just think you have to draw on that mega level to be in the goat conversation. But I would say if you say you gave a word for most versatile wrestler of all time, what is Jericho bad at?
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's completely fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't. He's, he's just not. He's just so. He's good. just no. He can. He can. Whatever you ask him to do,
2: he'll do it, and he'll do it really well. And Eddie Kingston, man, if you wrestle Eddie Kingston style, it's the best wrestling like ever to me because his it's so physical. It's so. It makes you doubt. <laughs> I, you will not lose your suspension of disbelief in the Eddie Kingston match.
1: Never, never. You believe everything that this man is doing every single time. But moving on, we had our first title match of the show, the AEW World Tag Team Championships being defended by Jurassic Express in a triple threat match between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. And the whole idea of this match was how long was Red Dragon and the Young Bucks going to play nice before they started going after each other. Like, literally, it's 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 exactly what you think of when you hear this match. Spot, 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 spot. Like, so much shit happened in this match. Crowd was going nuts for it. I am so glad that we got to see Red Dragon come over and do stuff with the Young Bucks because, oh, my God, are they so good. I'm also so happy that, like, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are just so over as the tag team champions. And like, I love that they were still... Like constantly proven to be like just like yeah while these two guys are are squab- these two teams are squabbling, we are still the best tag team right now in AEW, and it's just these guys went all over the place doing crazy ass-, ass spots. I even loved how there seemed like there was a point where Red Dragon was gonna do the BTE trigger to spite the Young Bucks, which was like I really dug that. And oh god, just constant amounts of just crazy shit that happened. Eventually though, just. The costing of just Red Dragon trying to get involved and uh, mess with the Young Bucks a bit, it distracted them enough to the point where as they uh, O'Reilly broke up the pin, that gave Jurassic Express the chance to go after Matt Jackson, get the pin, retain the titles. This tag title match was outstanding. It proves to me that any time that the tag titles are on a pay-per-view or anytime you see the Young Bucks do anything... Just it, you constantly see the reason as to why AEW is the absolute king when it comes to tag team wrestling in any division. I don't think anybody is doing tag wrestling like this, like AEW. And like, if there was anything that I feel like most people could probably agree on, is that AEW tag team wrestling has the entire like, divi- like, concept of tag wrestling on lock at this moment in time.
2: Yeah. Um, this in my memory, which I can honestly say I don't have the memory of someone else, uh, of other people that might have a stronger one, this was the best triple threat tag match I've ever seen. Like, seriously. Like, in person, best triple threat tag match I've ever seen. When I talk about my favorite tag matches of all time, and the best tag matches I've ever seen, there seems to be one name in there, and it's the Young Bucks, and good lord. This was amazing red dragon jungle boy how good has how how good is jungle boy how good is luchasaurus all six of these men brought it and that match was phenomenal like phenomenal and there wasn't a bunch of laying around there wasn't a bunch of hey you do this you do this no it was action 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 it was a crazy good time oh dude yeah one of the best things i've ever seen i was jumping up i was in everything the hot tag the luchasaurus was amazing how they kept jungle boy in The, the the breaking down of the uh you know the truce between the red dragon and the young bucks and that's when it felt like the match started when Like, everything was the pre-match until they finally just turned on each other and all three teams started trying to win. It was a good time. I couldn't tell who was legal. Shout out to the ref because he was able to keep up with that shit because I sure was not able to keep up with that shit. And it was fun. It just turned into a tornado thing after a while. And, you know, Jurassic Express gets the win. And it's crazy that the team that the Young Bucks has wrestled the most in AEW, most matches with, is Jurassic Express. They did their job. They've gotten this team over. They're the best team in AEW right now. Let's go. Uh, well, they're the champions. They're not the best team in AEW. We all know who the best I, team no, is. I knew you were going to come back to that. Yeah, I I mean, you we all know who the best team in AEW is. But right now... With CM Punk Express. and John Moxley. Jurassic Express holds uh belt. Um sure. <laughs> I mean I mean they're, the mo- they're probably the most sober team in AEW right now. Which makes them the best
1: because yeah. straight edge means I'm better than you. Guys. Uh
2: straight edge means I'm more boring than you. Uh, there okay. You go. <laughs> 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 so right. no uh but yeah. It was a good times. It was a good match. It was an amazing we're match.
1: We're now. Yeah. We'll move over now to the face of the Revolution ladder match. Christian Cage, Limitless Keith Lee, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Absolute Ricky Starks, and Wardlow. Winner would get a TNT title match at St. Patrick's Day Slam at San Antonio on the March 16th episode of Dynamite. And, I mean, Taz was on commentary. He had to be. Two of his members were literally in this match. And despite that, they still couldn't do shit. Uh, oh my Dan God,
2: Orange Cassidy became the biggest heel in the world in this match. Oh my God. Every time big men were about to slap some meat, Orange Cassidy would ruin it. <sighs> mm-hmm. He was a
1: heel. But it's okay he got
2: through. he got fucking tossed by Keith Lee. He <laughs> yeah. got tossed. Yeah, and he missed they missed on the outside the catch. I was like Oh, he yeah, took a fall, yeah. Yeah. And then they're like you know, you see him checking on him and I'm like <sighs> and like I'm like I know he wasn't, but it's kind of one of my reactions when something like that happens, I just scream, he's dead because they completely missed him. i they might have slowed down his momentum a little bit. Might have <laughs> that dude thumped, and then he continued to match. Hats off to Mr. Orange Cassidy, because that's one tough son of a bitch. Because <laughs> if, I, if I got through like he that, really is. If, if I got through like that and I landed like that, I'm done. Done? Yeah. I'm Throw up the X, whatever the fuck you want to do. I am not getting up <laughs> so they can do that again. And he got up, and he finished the match like a G. Shout out to Orange Cassidy for that. But, uh, yeah, this match was great. And, you know, they, they never they teased giving us what I what I wanted. And, you know, I love my big meaty men slapping meat, but we never got it all the way. So it's great because now you got Wardlow versus Keith Lee, Will Hobbs versus Keith Lee. You know, you got those matches or and then Wardlow versus Will Hobbs. You got those matches. They teased, but you never got in a match. And I thought that was excellently done. It, man, so physical.
1: Oh yeah, they, I mean, for God's sakes, we literally had a spot where Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow just completely split two fucking ladders in half. He split, they split a ladder in half, and then they just started hitting people with it. This match was just crazy. Like they had uh, tons of spots in there. Um, I, like the power, bo- the power bomb that fucking, the power bomb that goddamn Ricky Starks took from from Wardlow. That looked like it hurt, like a motherfucker, because it looked like his head literally went, like, hit the rung of a ladder and then went through. And I was just like, like, I was like you. He's dead. He's fucking dead. But, I mean, these guys, everybody in this match got a, got a chance to shine. You got the tease for the big meaty man slap and meat match, which, I mean, like, hell, like, they literally teased, like, a three-way between those guys. If you give a three-way, that is the maximum amount of big man slapping meat, like – that would be crazy enough that they threw a triple threat of that type of match at us, which would be tons of fun. But Wardlow finally gets his moment. Also, we had a small little appearance from Dan Housen completely cursing Ricky Starks. Dan Housen always gotta get
2: involved. I don't know why he uh He was it was felt it was the per- need to uh It was perfect and I literally thought he was gonna climb up the ladder and win for a split second. You always wonder. You always wonder. But eventually, uh
1: Ricky Starks uh, gets, like I said, power bombed onto that ladder. Fucking looked like it hurt like a motherfucker. Wardlow gets the brass ring. He has finally gotten through and won something for himself. And we'll get back into talking about Wardlow very soon. But, like, crazy good ladder match. I mean, it's just – and honestly, the right guy won. I think, like, everybody in this match uh, should be fine, especially Keith Lee. I mean, for God's sakes, dude is so over. Um but, um, yeah, Wardlow winning this, I think, is huge.
2: Yeah, Keith Lee, woo woo, And then he's like, oh, bask in his glory. And he did that. And I'm standing up because, you know, Keith Lee's my guy. Uh, I'm wearing his shirt right now. I am pretty sure he's my... Favorite wrestler, barring any return from Cody. I'm trying to decide. I mean, FTR are my guys. They are my number one in AEW that goes without saying. But well, I'm trying to find out a favorite singles wrestler. And there's like Come back people home. Come like, back home to the, people, the punk train. People are like, why do you need a favorite wrestler? I'm like, because I watch wrestling with my heart. And if I'm not, if my heart's not emotionally invested, I'm just kind of watching. And it's just like, man, that Keith Lee just felt, it felt real good. And it felt like, it felt like I was there and it felt like I was like almost there, but then some other stuff happened and we got a, we got a dark horse, but we'll talk about him later. I'll tell you who the dark is, horse is for Floyd's favorite wrestler. So, uh, but yeah, this match was amazing another another banger i was like good lord this is i'm like at this point in time the second second match or third match in i'm like this is about to be an all-time great pay-per-view yeah we then
1: tony Schiavone was on the ramp and we had a special contract signing swerve strickland boy i like from fucking famous of hit row from nxt swerve strickland is here on AEW and he is all elite and I'm just like oh my god like we we've got fucking swerve on the on the roster and he got a great reaction the who's house swerve's house response yeah that was so great I, I gotta so tell great.
2: You, until later on in this show I thought this was the coolest entrance, include coolest debut ever. Because he comes out just full of swag and just like you can't tell if he's a heel or a face. It's just like just that confidence, that, that confidence. quiet, yeah, that quiet confidence, and you can't tell what side he's on. And he's like, "Whose house? Swerve's house." And everybody's chanting it. like they're always saying Swerve's house before. It. And he's like, "I love you too." And it was just such a cool. Low-key entrance. It's like, that's his character. If you're expecting, like, super amounts of passion and stuff, that's not how Swerve rolls. How he oh, entered man. is his character. And I was like, I would say that was the coolest debut in AEW history. But then later, someone beat it. Yep, we'll get to that soon.
1: We then, though, had the TBS championship match between Jade Cargill against challenger Ty Conti. Now, I will first say, like we have like we probably, I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, the build to this was kind of whack. We could have, t- considering how much Ty Conte has improved and how much she's been on, you could have given this way more weeks of build, and it would have meant so much more, but it just kind of felt super rushed. So Man. I was still hoping for the match itself to be good, though.
2: They were trying it for their moment, and they did it. They kissed in the middle of it. And I'm guessing it was just to try to make a moment. Now, if I'm coaching this match... And and the match was what it was. It wasn't the best match. on. It was probably not the best match on the card. I think the women tried very, very hard. I love Jay Cardenhill. I think that woman is like the perfect specimen of woman. I want to be clear, but the match kind of stuck. I think they should have turned up the physicality in it. I think when you got something that is not hot, What'll get the crowd into it is just like knocking the crap out of each other, right? And and I think they started down that train, and I just think they could have went a little bit further, and I think it would have got the crowd into it.
1: Yeah, like I said, I thought seeing Jade do a a frog splash, I thought was awesome. Um, and again, like she, like when Jade can hit it well, that pump kick is fucking
2: vicious. The when one she, she does got it, on, the one she got on Anna was amazing.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, she she hit that thing like that spot like kind of got people like oh shit like Jay Anna was just standing there and you just nailed her with it. But again, like yeah, the the kiss the the kiss moment I get I get was like supposed to be a moment you didn't really need to choose to do that I guess. I mean, like I said, like you had people complaining about uh, in terms of like not getting a reference like. If you wanted to complain about something on the on the show, you could have complained about that, and I would have totally understood it. But like, I mean, I don't I don't understand how wrestling Twitter works. I really don't. But regardless, yeah, it was it was it, again the combination of the fact that I wish they would have given them more build because I think more build would have helped like sell the match and get people into it. Because again, Ty has been used so much, and she literally won Most Improved Wrestler for multiple awards for. PWI, I think probably, and then also Wrestling Observer. It's like she's improved significantly, and considering that she's one of your top women that you have on the roster, like I would have expected at least a little bit more build for this. But I guess it, you got you got a secondary build for for quote unquote secondary title, and it it felt secondary. It felt secondary. So. It, disappointing. I mean, like, granted, like, I'm I'm happy Jade got the win, and, like, yeah, you, you give it a little bit more physicality. There were some good moments in the match, and they definitely tried hard. But, like, yeah, it just kind of fell short, honestly.
2: Yeah, uh, and like I said, I'm not going to just sit here and bury you the match. I thought there was stuff that could have been better, but th- the women... Gave it their all. Ty had the good moment where she did the crazy thing and then jumped. I loved her face paint and I love her like Brazilian. So I call and them.
1: Jade Cargill's outfit, dude, reference to Mortal Kombat.
2: Yeah, it's so, so perfect. It was, it was so confusing explaining it to someone. Who's she cosplaying, <laughs> Jade? She's cosplaying Jade, herself. What do you mean? Who's on first? Yeah, that's what it was. I'm like, okay, there's a character in Mortal Kombat by the name of Jade. Jade, <laughs> Jade Cargill, was cosplaying a character with her same name. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm warming up my hands
1: now. And, we got to get. Yeah, we, we're getting serious now, aren't we? we getting serious now. We're getting, we getting serious now. Uh, we had the dog collar match between the Second City Saint CM Punk, facing off against MJF. And, of course, the the thing that we were referencing to the whole time was that, first off, MJF comes out. uh, Well, Cult of Personality hits, and then it immediately switches over to MJF's music. And then MJF comes out, the dick that he is. But then CM Punk comes out, lights go dark, and AFI is playing. His Ring of Honor theme plays, and he comes out with the shorts and the jacket. It's even got a little Larry on it instead of the skull and crossbones. Old CM Punk attire. I know some people were like, if he dyed his hair blonde, it would have been like legit full CM Punk old school. It would have been crazy if he did that. But regardless, this is still amazing. I was geeking. I was so happy. And yes, even if you didn't get it, the commentators explained it immediately afterwards. And you could have fucking Shazammed the song and you would have found out what the song's title was. And then you could find out, oh, this is Ring of Honor theme. It's not a big deal if you didn't get it instantaneously, and, like, you didn't have to complain about it if you didn't get it, and, like, oh, it was bullshit because I didn't get it. Like, yeah, a Google search would have been fine.
2: I, I so. want to, yeah, because I, I, I want to reiterate that uh, I have no idea who AFI is. Couldn't point them out in the lineup. They could have been sitting right next <laughs> to me at the show. Have I heard an AFI song? I probably, you know, I've, I, I hang around a lot of Caucasians, so I've probably heard one in one <laughs> in, uh, in my life. But did I know it was an AFI song? No. I've seen compilations of Punk's time in Ring of Honor. I've seen matches where they started off in the ring of Ring of Honor without the entrance. So I am familiar with uh, CM Punk's Ring of Honor work. I didn't know... What his entrance was, or what's his entrance song in Virginia, and guess what? If I saw a punk match ten years ago and he did that entrance, I probably still wouldn't remember it because I don't really care about the type of music it is. You know what I mean? It doesn't make you less of a fan. I and I, I'm not saying this to defend me because I literally don't care how big of a fan anyone thinks I am. I'm saying it doesn't make you less of a fan <laughs> that you don't yeah. know <laughs> that you don't know every fucking entrance thing. Every wrestler has ever had dude. I'm sitting in the, uh, I'm sitting in there and I don't remember. I've been trying not to say when it was, but they showed CM Punk's promo after he got busted open by MJF. And he says, I have to be the old me. You know, I have to find the dark. Thank you for awakening the guy that you're not ready for. Right? So when he came out and I, I saw the jacket And it looked like indie CM Punk, and I heard the music. It was an easy like me not hearing Excalibur. It was an easy two and two to put together. And even before that, (laughs) and even before that too, they were referencing the old promos with
1: with MJF saying the stupid old man, I'm a snake with that promo from Ring of Honor, and then him and then CM Punk saying I got to become the monster to fight the monsters of the world. Two
2: Ring of Honor Punk promos. It's like they were. Putting this together well in advance. Yes, so this is detailed storytelling. And again, it's the Marvel movie. Ring of Honor is the comics. Maybe you didn't ring the comics. But you can get the general story. The general story is that CM Punk had to be going in it. And they used a song that everybody in the crowd was into. Now, I get to tell this personal story as I'm standing next to Tiffany. Now, Tiffany is from Indiana. Tiffany is all, like, she saw CM Punk coming up. IWA, Mid-South, Indiana, she saw CM Punk. God damn. Yes, yeah, she saw CM Punk. So, th- this music, when it hit in that gear, that was her CM Punk. She went crazy, goosebumps, damn near tears in her eyes. Because she went back that far with CM Punk. Is CM Punk her favorite wrestler now? No, but... I met two thousand and two Tiffany. For that few minutes that that song was on, I met two thousand and two Tiffany.
1: We yeah, were and I have, and I wasn't watching wrestling until two thousand nine. So yeah, yeah. I did. I never at, at at peak Ring of Honor Punk. I wasn't even watching wrestling, but even still, I knew Punk Punk from Ring of Honor, and I watched old clips, and I knew that that was his theme. But like, it's like again, my experience with CM Punk was. 2009 to 2014 that was my experience with them and I still geeked out on it cuz I remembered that it wasn't like a huge connection thing but I was
2: like oh my god this is so fucking cool and that's what I'm like if you got it it was cool if not it was something different move on with your life it's not that big a deal like again uh, yeah, I, I like There's... I said, I've seen in the Avengers, and there was some reference to the cartoon. I mean, some reference to the comic, and my friend's up next to me, he geeks out and said, That's a reference to the comic. You know what? I still enjoy the movie. <laughs> I didn't get it, and I still enjoy the movie. So you can still enjoy this match without getting that one reference. Exactly.
1: Now, moving off of that, because we got to talk about the match itself, but I got to say, Because if if some of you are uh, very keen eyes when it comes to watching the show, you could probably notice actually for Revolution that not only was Tiffany visible on the hard cam over to the right-hand side, but also was Floyd. He was also visible on the hard cam. They got really good seats. But this man, this man who I call my close friend was wearing that MJF better than the best in the world shirt. And I just got to ask my boy Floyd, the snake that he is wearing that shirt, how's it feel? How's it feel being wrong? Because I was the man on the fucking island that I was on saying, like, to everybody that was saying MJF was winning this match, I was the man on the soul island being like, y'all are out of your mind if you don't think Punk is winning this. And I said, like, I even agreed with you on the draw for the Moxley – For the Moxley and uh, Danielson match. And I was the one person who was like, oh, Punk's winning this match. And everyone was just like, oh, no, MJF's going to win this. This feud would be ruined if MJF didn't win this and Punk won it for no reason. Well, how's it taste? I'll give you a 2.0. I'm giving you a taste right now. Because now the fanboy's coming out and you can't stop it. And I know it's going to bug some people. I don't give a fuck. Because my boy CM Punk, he got his ass kicked. No lie. MJF beat the shit out of him. Crimson Mask and all. Completely fucked this man up. But it didn't matter. Because CM Punk, despite everything, despite all the odd stats against my man, he went out there and he beat. He beat MJF in the dog collar match. Did everything. GTS that made Punk MJF fall onto thumbtacks! He got thumbtacks in my man. Got thumbtacks in his ass, and his in his old gear with his old theme, old school Ring of Honor. C M Punk went up against the monster that, quite honestly, he might have made. M J F was possibly a creation of C M Punk inadvertently because of everything that he had done in his career. This man, this living embodiment of a Stan, M J F, finally got his just desserts after. All the shit that he had said, all the things he had done, my boy CM Punk fucking did it. And all of y'all doubted. Y'all go through the walk of shame right now. You, Floyd, everybody that was predicting. I saw on Twitter. I got receipts. I know. I know the people that were doubting my boy. You cannot doubt the best in the fucking world. I will run it by every single one of y'all for doubting my boy because he fucking did it. Not only that too, but Wardlow finally was able to remove the shackles a little bit. Remove the shackles and completely realize that MJF is a piece of shit. I'm happy for the man. I'm glad. I want to see what he does down the road. But that's down the road. Right now, my CM Punk fandom is going to be on all your asses.
2: So, let me jump in here. Let me, let me bring us back. Let's, let's wind us back to this. So, after dominating uh, CM Punk in Chicago, MJF so uh, graciously offers to have a match with CM Punk. CM Punk, the vicious villain that he is, picks a dog collar match. I get it. Then, in the match, MJF dominates CM Punk. CM Punk brought out the old, <sighs> violent, old, violent quote unquote violence CM Punk and he still got beat within the inch of his life by MJF. And the only way CM Punk could barely pull out a victory is for MJF's employee to betray I'm him. I'm sorry. The employee to betray him. So CM MJF's still up two to one in the rivalry. I'm okay but- with this tainted victory. <laughs> Brought on by sorry, one Mister Wardlow.
1: Sorry, 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 didn't didn't MJF call out for Wardlow? Wasn't he screaming
2: for his war dog, was, his lap dog, he, he to was, come and save him? He, he was, was screaming for him he, to come he, down. He didn't come and scream to save him. He screamed at him to uh, come assist because MJF mistakenly left something help, in the help it was, help he, me. Yes, he mistakenly left something in the back, and he was like, you know, bring it to him. Wardlow, the simpleton that he is couldn't even do that simple fucking job right and just come down and <laughs> give him the ring he, accident- he accidentally gives it to CM Punk and CM Punk pulls out a fluke victory over the man MJF so MJF in essence won because he had to make s- to beat MJF CM Punk had to b- try to become someone that he used to be when that wasn't good enough he needed the assistant he needed MJF to be betrayed to win. MJF will handle CM Punk and that light work later, but we got bigger fish to fry in that war dog because we got to put that war dog down now.
1: And into, and to think that this was the man that went to WrestleMania 30 on a whim hoping CM Punk was going to be there. Uh, I cannot believe this man.
2: Uh, CM Punk broke my heart at WrestleMania 30 by not showing up. So, yeah, he lost. He lost that a long time ago. I, I like to show up. I I show up for people that show up for me. Okay, MJF has never let me down. Okay, MJF is a, <laughs> a man. He he, he he. You know what? Again, in the running for my favorite wrestler. This match again. MJF puts on another classic. Five stars. but He should be brawler of the year. You know what I mean? The way he carried CM Punk through this match for like 30 minutes. He's so good. He carried Old Man Field through this match. You remember Old Man Wolverine? This is Old Man Field we're getting right now. And MJF carried him. And it's okay. It's okay. And CM Punk won, and now he's going to go after the title because you know what? It's safe. He's going to go after someone that's not as good as MJF to try to become the champion. I get it. (laughs)
1: I'm going to shut this man down, and I'm going to, honest to God, say, like, I I have a personal bias with my favorite CM Punk match right now because, I mean, like, I was fortunate enough to be at AEW All Out where Punk had his first match in over seven years against Darby Allin. And I love that match. I genuinely do. It's It means so much to me. But if I'm being...
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the Durban marshall credit card bill
1: being 100 honest with myself this is cm punk's best match in aew this match was unreal levels of violent like well, just drama filled so much story related right? huh full gear was kingston right
2: Full Gear was Kingston, yes. Yeah, that
1: which I understand if that one's your favorite. That's too. my I favorite.
2: I mean, this match is an all-time classic. I am like literally, uh, even when my memory's fading, I'm gonna remember being here for that moment. I'd never experienced a dog collar match in my life. That's my. That was my first one. It was everything it needed to be. Uh, all aside, you know, all giving each other shit aside, MJF was amazing in this match perfect he did everything was, uh, perfectly in this match i'm talking about the subtle storytelling the middle fingers the the, uh, the you know going for the microphone even when there was like technical difficulties of the chain getting wrapped up how they made it look so smooth and getting that ain't chain unwrapped dirt is not you can't do this match better than it was done
1: no, it was the perfect tribute to Valentine and Piper that they were trying to provide. It was it was it was outstanding. And like I said, MJF going for the microphone and still running his mouth despite everything, continuing to run his mouth, and then Punk's response just eat shit, Max, which got a chant. And even when Punk was really starting to get offense going and the crowd chanting, You deserve it like the story everyone bought into this, like, I, I know everyone, there's a lot of people that have been saying this is one of AEW's best stories that they've ever told and one of their best feuds. I think that's 100% uh, up there as one of the things that should it's be. It's so
2: crazy because all the best feuds have one guy in common, and his name's MJF. It's very, I mean, the dudes are a good heel.
1: I can't, yeah, I can't, I, mean, I cannot yeah, deny it.
2: Yeah, he is on another level. He's one of those people. <laughs> I could never, I think I can never call him my favorite wrestler because I think it goes so much against his gimmick. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you can't, you can't. Yeah. You can't. He's like, he's supposed to lose. In the end, he's supposed to lose. Even if he wins, he beats the guy eight times. That last time, he's supposed to lose because that's how you tell the story. Right. But so, yeah, but the dude is so good. I mean, He should win, like, wrestler of the year, like, almost every year because he's just so good. Because a lot of people that can talk as well as he can't can wrestle. Oh, my God, this guy can wrestle. A lot of people, you know what I mean? And then CM Punk was like, he's gotten his legs under him. He's there. I thought the Kingston match was, I thought that was, you know, him being back at full gear. But, oh, my God. Yeah, like, really restoring himself. Yeah. Yeah, and then. He comes back, and they do the match in Chicago, which was even better. And then he comes back then, and it's just like CM Punk's a wrestler again. There is no, this is a comeback tour. CM Punk is a part of the roster, and he looks like he's about to go after the world title. Yeah,
1: with the motion. And I want to say, too, because I know we were talking about the – crazily unbelievably stupid discourse surrounding his him using his old music but like if there's one thing to take away from this match in itself besides of how outstandingly violent and drama filled and unbelievably great it was um it's the the media scrum that happened after revolution went off the air on and it's on it's on youtube audio only like seek it out punk's the first person to, to talk but this man gets on mic for the media scrum and he's got tears in his eyes and he's ha- finding trouble to like string together words a little bit, and he's getting choked up talking about all this. And he says, like, like you, I mean, like you, you're watching this, and I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm, I've got genuine tears welling up in my eyes because I'm like, oh my fucking god, he loves this again. That's like I never thought like we'd see the day that this man loves this again, and he's having the time of his life, and he's giving you guys match of the year candidates and classics in his forties and he's doing this and with a light in his eyes that you hadn't seen in years, in years. And it's just so fucking nice to see. Cause as somebody that I genuinely do look up to, like seeing him find this thing and getting a second chance. And he talked about like how the one thing that wrapped it up perfectly was like, he loves Bret Hart and he had his career taken away from him and like, he never got a second chance. And he's, Punk is so grateful to have that second chance. And when he said in those in the media scrum, I'd give it up in a heartbeat to give it to Brett every day of the week. Like how it just it fucking broke me. It broke me. And it's it's just I'm I'm so I'm so happy that this guy that I look up to has found his love for something that he's done almost his entire life that was a part of him that like he almost felt like he couldn't love anymore because the people that he did it for took it away from him. And it just it, I'm I'm so fucking I'm so fucking happy. I'm so happy that we're getting this from Punk. And I genuinely like he could do this for like two more days or like two more years. I don't care how long he does this cuz he's already given me more than enough than I would have expected that Punk would have given me at this time frame. So I don't care how long he goes like I said, he motioned for the AEW title around his waist or any title of that matter. Like he could go after that win it continue on a rain, go crazy, like, or he could have one more feud and be done or one more match and be done. I don't care. I am on for the ride and I'm just so fucking ecstatic that this, that I'm, that I'm getting to see this because I didn't think I'd be able to see this ever. And it's, Better than I could have ever expected it. It's lived up to my wildest dreams, and I'm just so fucking happy. But I've Florida. Unless you have anything else you want to add, we'll move on to the next match.
2: I am good on this one.
1: All right, well, we'll move on to the AEW Women's World Title match between Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, and Thunder Rosa. God damn, did they have a tough task of following up this match? But I think they did all right. Thunderosa um is, again, one of my favorite women's ro- wrestlers on the roster. Uh, there was uh, a great little uh, bit where they uh, were interfering and like really healing it up. Um, and also, we had the debut of a brand-new-looking AEW Women's Championship – and i feel like that was done just mainly because of the fact that when they debuted the tbs title it was like oh shit our women's world title is smaller than all of our other belts and honestly like while i had started to get a little bit of a soft spot for the uh the the the, the original design of the women's title this is so much better it just looks so much better
2: it looks it looks like a world title uh the uh Mid-S- north american mid-south title if you, uh, you ever um Want to Google it and how big it was and how the plates were done? It was a very unique looking belt. This looks like basically like it's a grandchild, you know what I mean? And it looks good. It looks like a championship belt. I enjoyed it. I don't like how it was debuted. I, how I pers- she
1: just came out with it?
2: Yeah, I personally would have rather them uh, go to unveil it. it, unveil it at fan fest or something like that, or say the winner. Or Britt Baker comes out without the belt and the winner gets this brand new belt. It was just weird that it was just like no fanfare or anything. It's Uh, almost as
1: if they wanted to try to make it seem like, oh, this was how the belt was supposed to look at all times.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, that was it. Uh, Again, this match, again, some wrestling tropes bother me, you know, some wrestling tropes. I can just go over and say that's just wrestling. And it probably should be in this case. But it's just like, oh, my God, why are faces so stupid? Yeah, uh. I just don't know. It's just it, it's something. Honestly, if you've been watching as long as I have, it bothers you. It, it, maybe it might be something you just accept. And then if not, but good Lord, you you brought Mercedes Martinez out to help you tag. But you don't bring any back up to the ring, so you're basically wrestling three on one. Yeah, and, and again, like I, I'm not a, it's like I get it, I get it. It's a wrestling thing that's going to be around as long as wrestling. Wrestling's going to be going on long after I pass away, and faces are going to come down to the ring one on three long after I pass away. But good lord, it won't ever not bother me, and I will never not say anything about it. <laughs> Good Lord, it's just like, man, take out the people before you get to the ring. Something, you know, this is what she's gonna do, and then when they when they do it, you get see the face, and they have this like shock look on their face, like you're cheating, and it's like she's literally cheated in every match for a year. I don't know. Like, what did you think was gonna happen? (laughs) Yeah, like, what did you think was gonna happen? Again yeah and this match this match though it was it was tiny brain floyd why don't good guys have friends
0: (laughs)
1: there you go there you go but yeah this match again like i thought had some cool moments too like i loved it when thunder rosa uh proceeded to spear rebel off of the ring apron that was such a good moment honestly i really liked that match but eventually um like the match itself i thought was fine again it was hard for me to really give my full attention to it after i saw the the uh the the dog collar match, which is which is unfortunate enough to say, but like I was just I was I felt gassed just watching it at home, um, but these these two girls they still they gave it everything and they really worked hard and this was the the best this was the best women's match that they had on the show.
2: Yeah, um, uh, and coming from coming from a Cody fan, this is going to be weird to hear. There was way too much interference in this match. This there was a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was just a lot. It just. Like, I'm trying to get into it. I mean, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, you know, last February told one-on-one, told one of the more amazing match stories I'd ever seen. And it's just like, these women can tell a great one-on-one story. And it was just like so much uh, interference. It's just like, yeah, it took me out of it. It really did. I'm like in the crowd, like, oh, my God, they're going to cheat again.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's and I feel like that was almost kind of necessary because if anybody was possibly going to take the t- title off of Brad, I mean, Thunder's probably one of your best bets because, I mean, like, it's just she's she's your top baby face, I think, for the women's division. So, like, if anybody was going to take it off her, I think they kind of just needed it to be so interference filled because, like, if not, then it's like when she beats Thunder, who else does she have?
2: That's correct, and you will like when we talk about the previous show. It is clearly they don't have a lot of contenders for Britt.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like that's the thing. Is like you you have you have space for a rematch at least in that regard, but it's like in terms of other talent that can go after Britt to take the title off of her, you really don't have a ton. You've almost created like the Roman Reigns issue where it's like Roman's so over like in. Massive and like unstoppable as the champion. It's like you've got no contenders to go after him, like other than Thunder, who was your one shot, like with Roman and Brock. That's your one ch- t- title ch- uh, person who could go after him. anybody else is like, that's a stretch because you've put them up so high that it's like there's not a lot of baby faces that you got that could take them down. So it's like, I, 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 we'll see what they decide to do or if they end up bringing people in or what they decide to do. I am. I still love Britt as the champion, but it's like you're just kind of just like, well, where do we go now? Like, what do we got? Like, what's the what's the what's the next path? What's the next path that we take?
2: Yeah. And I mean, the booking, unfortunately, uh, this this show was loaded. They got they got put in a shitty spot. Yeah. You I mean, whoever came after that was going to happen. They were going to suffer. Yeah, I would have like, you know, weird to say this. I would have liked the swerve segment right here. Like it would have been, it would have been at least a break. It would have yeah, been a break. It, at it least. would have been a break, because yeah, you just kind of be like, hey, go out there and top probably the best match on the card tonight. No, nah, you can't do that. It's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna it's a it's a it's a very difficult ask. But we'll move on though to the American Dragon Brian Danielson facing off against John Moxley. Of course, we knew if these two were ever going to team together, they would have to bleed together first. And my God, did they? These guys did a hell of a wrestling match. And just multiple just vicious kicks and elbows and strikes and submissions and all different types of wrestling. This was just pure wrestling goodness by two people who do it so good in very different types of styles, but they still mesh so freaking well. And... Eventually, though, as the match went on and as we uh, got uh, further into it, though, Moxley uh, was – they were just kicking each other in the head and eventually as uh, Danielson got a triangle sleeper on – and was just mashing the elbow, which I think was a throwback to their indie matches that they had where Danielson was just elbowing the shit because I saw it in the video package. Uh, Moxley rolled onto the back and uh, had Danielson pinned. I originally thought they both had their shoulders down, where I thought, oh, shit, this is how they're doing the draw. But it turns out Danielson was the one that had his shoulders down, and they called it for Moxley to win it. And they, weren't, they wouldn't stop fighting. Referees came out to try to separate them. And then eventually... William Regal shows up, former mentor of both of these men, and he comes down to a massive ovation, and he just smacks both of these two and just being like, shake hands. You're better than this. I trained you better than this. I taught you better than this. Shake each other's hands. Eventually, they listened, and they Jim Ross said, they bled together, they fought together. Will they team together, though? And, like, if if my, if... Fucking Regal is the catalyst for this. That's huge, but it's just like, oh my god, William Regal's here. The man that was literally the GM of the other side is here, which is just super cool. And I've and I love Regal, I love Regal so much. And the fact that he's here is, is outstanding. It's so cool,
2: so expressive on his face. And again, oh my god, just such a cool entrance. He just walks out, and he, he literally the toughest man. On the roster. Literally the wrestling observers, uh, a wrestling observer newsletter, best brawler, John Moxley. William Regal. John Moxley. William Regal slaps the shit out of him and said, calm down. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, settle down. <laughs> then he goes over to Daniel Bryan one of the best technical wrestlers in the world who's being smart. He's like the goofy kid from an 80s movie. Like, aha, you got in trouble. Slaps the shit out of him, too. I'm like, this is basically Cobra Kai. You know what I mean? It is kind of, (laughs) yeah. This is Cobra Kai. But led by William Regal. Oh my god. And like I said, it was just such a cool, no-nonsense entrance. It was as William Regal of a debut as you can be. I am mean, like, if you wanted to write William Regal's perfect debut, you can't write it better than what happened here. This was so cool. And it was no, such really a nonchalant moment. It wasn't this, and here him into the ring, William Regal. No, he came out to no fanfare. He came out to no announcement. He came out business. Handled it. Lord Regal, let's go. Absolutely. We move on to the penultimate match, though, the six-man
1: tag match. My – cat's on my computer. I gotta move him just to get my notes fixed. Darby Allen, the TNT champion Sammy Guevara, and Sting facing off against the AHFO, Andrade El Idolo, Isaiah Cassidy, and, and big money Matt Hardy. And this match was like, it was a knockout, drag him out brawl. These guys were just fighting all the fuck over the place. Also, Jose got his ass kicked early on in the match, and he was just done. Like, they just fucked up Jose. Why'd you have to fuck up Jose? He was just there um these guys were fighting all over the place fighting into the crowd and fighting all the way close to the to the to the like almost just to the place where moxley comes out in the backstage area and like like this match was just a nice little fun like just like again madness just crazy six-man tornadoes trios madness all over the place the thing that people remember is the fact that, first off, Sammy Sammy Guevara had Isaiah Cassidy on top of the, the entrance for, I believe, the heel tunnel. And they just deci- decided to do a fucking Spanish fly-off of the goddamn thing through two tables. So that thing was nuts in itself. But then as Butcher and Blade come out to completely, like, once again, they come out to just proceed to just stack the odds against everyone's favor as well. They set up multiple tables, like six tables uh, outside by this, by the, uh, by the... Backstage area, almost. And uh, they have Andrade proceeding to uh, try to move over and uh, get Sting up there. And then Sting fights himself back up and um, proceeds to have Matt Hardy grab. He he grabs Matt Hardy. And uh, Andrade set up. And then fucking Sting jumps from the crowd, jumps from the rafters onto Andrade, with all these tables, I'm like, what the fuck is this man doing? Like, Sting, what the hell? Like, we are not asking you to do this, and yet you're doing this. Like, what the shit? And the match finishes off with Darby Allen in the ring with Matt Hardy, hitting a scorpion death drop, which I loved, uh, through a steel chair, in fact. It was such a great spot. That could have been the finish. Darby then goes for the coffin drop, kind of misses him, which was a bit of a oof. That That's disappointing. But... The the baby faces win, Darby, Sammy and Sting win. Uh this is just madness. I mean, like there wasn't even like it, there's no technicality to this. There was just fucking craziness all over the place. You got your high spots from Sammy, you got your high spots from Darby, you got your high spots from Sting. And fucking hell that Sting dive.
2: It's just fucking crazy. This dude's like what? It's his sixties. is doing this shit. So Two Things. Do you know what happens on March twentieth? What happens on what? Sorry? March twentieth. You're not expected to know. I was just do you know what I was just seeing if you might have know where I was going. March twentieth. You know what happens on that? No, you'll have to tell me. Fucking Sting turned sixty three years old. Jesus Christ. And he did what he did in this match. Shout out to him. Shout out yeah. to Sammy Guevara looking amazing. And shout out to who very much is in the bottom, the top three of what might be my favorite wrestler, the shocker of the year, if you ever heard the first episodes of all things elite, Darby Allen. I think he might be my favorite wrestler. Because you know what? There you go. He never has a match that I don't like or love. That dude just throws himself with such fucking reckless abandonment that, yeah, he might be that guy. Like, it's it's I'm like I'm watching it and I'm just like, is Darby Allen my favorite wrestler? I'm like having this moment, in in the in the crowd in the second row watching it, having this moment where I'm like, Darby Allen might be my favorite wrestler. I don't
1: know. We're gonna see. It's so cool. It's so cool to see how you switch because I mean, like I uh, of course I'm the CM Punk Mark that I am and he'll always be my favorite, but my AEW original favorite, like OG or AEW original favorite is Darby Allen by far he's too and big. I
2: love how much this man Floyd here he flipped completely he's too small no one's ever going to believe him winning a match blah 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 these are all things I've said this guy's so fucking good he has literally worked me and consisted me out of my like any of my doubts about this man to the point where I think he may be my favorite wrestler
1: That's so fucking. And
2: and I've never come from this extreme of a feeling for one. Like this is like the most extreme one eighty you can ever come on a person. Like he's so fucking reckless that you never take your eyes off of him. And there's an excitement because it feels like every match could be his last match because you don't know what dumb shit he's gonna do next. And I say it's dumb, but it's dumb in the most fucking awesome way ever.
1: Yeah, I mean it, he's he's so good.
2: He's so good. It looks like it's like he's not thinking and he's just doing, but he hits it. Like that's the probably the worst coffin drop I've ever seen, and it wasn't really that bad. It really wasn't, and, and then that's probably the because he usually hits them the person flesh on the stomach, but it it's just like I'm watching it and I'm just like. I'm like, you, you're just having a... Is this, is this my favorite wrestler? Is he my favorite wrestler? Did because, we just become best friends? You, yeah, because no matter what kind of match he's in, whether it's the cinematic match, triple threat. I, I, yeah, I was there for Rampage on the triple threat, and it was amazing. This dude just gives it all every night, and it's like, how don't you respect that? How do you, how do you yeah. not love that? So... I, I I'm, I'm I'm leaving it up because I'm not making this decision in haste because you know how hardcore of a fan I am. Once once I say you're my guy, you're my guy, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm not, but he's right there. Oh, man. unless it's CM Punk? Huh? Unless no, it's CM on, Punk. You know, on, unless you abandon me. Yes. Yes. You can, you can abandon me. You can literally quit and then start talking shit about the business. And yes, you can make me not like you as much. Did 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 that not happen? Did that not happen? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I mean, I did not. Did do I need to go through everything that happened that made him do that? I'm not. I'm not saying he wasn't, but I'm just saying at the time, I dropped the fifty bucks on his pay first MMA fight, and I'm like, "Oh, CM Punk's gonna win." I never said he was gonna win. I was just like, "Oh, come on, Punk, you can do it. He's gonna win. He knows all this shit." And then yeah, and then I was like. So you're not wrestling anymore, and you suck at this. Uh, the disrespect. And there's, I mean, okay. How else would you describe <laughs> his How else would you describe his MMA performance, sir? A college try. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like he tried. He could kick my ass. Sam Punk could beat me up. Don't get me wrong. He could beat the shit out of me if he wanted to. I can't fight, but. Neither can he on a professional level. Uh, but no, I, again, it took a long time for me to have to let go of CM Punk. It took years before I was like, "It's time to move on," and I moved on to, you know, the American Nightmare, and I moved on to the son of the the grandson of a plumber. You know, I moved on, and it's just like, and Punk is hey, he's come back. And he's really good, but yeah, he I mean, once once someone breaks your heart like that, they can never be number one in your life again.
1: I'm I'm all about second chances and I'm living right now. <laughs> but we'll move we'll move on, though, to the main event, the AEW World Championship match between Adam versus Adam, hangman page versus Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole rocking the one seven seven the
2: fucking Halo Master Chief gear. I didn't, I had no idea where it was from, but I knew he liked video <laughs> games. I said Metal Gear Solid. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I mean, Metal was,
1: gear Solid. I, 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 I would have I laughed so hard if I was right next to you when you said that. I yeah, right. loved I'm, like, it. Right.
2: I'm like, I don't know what this is. And because i never, I think I might have played Halo inside of a GameStop one time. Over 10 years ago, like when it first came out, like I don't play Halo. I know nothing about it. Uh, I do know he runs a Twitch stream. So I figured it was from one of those one of those video games, as they like to call. them. And yeah, the Adam versus Adam, the crowd was five stars in this match.
1: Oh my god, yeah. The the let's go Adam Chance or the like uh let's go Adam Adam sucks. Yes. Uh all all every single one of them was great. It was this perfect. This is
2: Adam. Yep. This is so Adam. great. Adam, yeah. I was highly amused. I can't say during this match I was exhausted. <laughs> and fair the enough. Guy, the guy in front of me is 63. So every time I would stand up, right? I could kind of see better, but it was like I was still watching. I was just standing up watching the screen, right? So I was just like, right. in this match, I just like, I'm just going to watch the screen when it gets up. So I just sat down and stared up at the screen. But it was a really good match. I thought both Adams performed really well. And it, just, it was lost on me that Adam Cole was main eventing a pay-per-view in Orlando. You know, uh-huh. from NXT, that was kind of, kind of lost on me that that's what. Was the more going things up. change, the more they, they stay, stay the, the same. same. And then William Regal, the former head of NXT, debuts at a pay per view in Orlando, and Red Dragon, former NXT Tag Team Championship, going for the Tag Team Champions in Orlando. It was just like Keith Lee in a ladder match to become the face of the company in Orlando all these people that have just made their name over NXT. And then I saw the, uh, I saw the tweet that uh, NXT wasn't developmental for the WWE main roster. It was developmental for, for AEW. AW, AEW's main roster. And that's, it's more and more looking like that to this day. Unfortunately, I feel like AEW has run out of spots. So I am sad for anybody else that might get released is like, uh, I don't know what you're going to do. But uh, yeah, yeah this well, match- I mean, Ring of Honor is probably hiring. Yeah, this match is re- it was really good. Uh, tons of false finishes. Uh, when he hit, I, I honestly thought they were going to go with Cole. When he hit uh, the knee uh, with the knee pad up to the back of the head, I literally, it that was the false finish that got me because I thought it was three and I thought we were getting a new champion. And then,
1: yeah, I mean, again, man. it was so good. It was, I mean, again, like everyone was waiting for when Adam Page. I mean, I mean, Adam Cole, baby, like they they were waiting for when he came to AEW and was just skyrocketed into the main event picture. And you got it, you got you got Takeover. Adam Cole is what you got on this show because he killed it. He did awesome, and Hangman did outstanding. Like I mean, the like we 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 know about how like the false finishes in uh, Adam Cole's NXT matches were just immense, and there was a ton of them, and they were all insane. Um, the super kicks were nonstop, the strikes were nonstop. Again, like that, the, the fact that they yeah they did that. I didn't even realize at one point the knee pad wasn't lowered, and I was like, holy shit, he kicked out. But I, they were saying the knee pad wasn't lowered, and I was like, oh my god, that's really clever. And it was they it was outstanding it's a huge win for hangman again his title reign continues to be like elevated with wins like that like what he had with the texas death match and the ma- matches that he had with danielson like his title reign's been outstanding they've yeah. done so well with hangman's title reign
2: on a per performance it's, title match basis i it's only second to kenny omega like his yeah. matches are better than chris jericho unfortunately mox did run into being the champion mostly during the pandemic, so that's he held not it right, down, yeah, but yeah. yeah, that wasn't his fault. but you I mean, first match against Brian Daniels, Brian Daniels, second match against Brian Danielson, uh, Lane Sarcher takes his death match this match. those are his defenses, all excellent matches.
1: Yeah, and they've done a really good job too of like I know he was itching to be able to defend the title and itching to be able to have matches, but it's like the less they've had him wrestle on TV, the more it's been important when they've had his matches on pay-per-view or when they've had it at TV specials. Like they've really made sure to make the AEW title huge. And like his reign has been huge. And I love Adam Cole, and he'll he will no doubt in my mind be back, back in this picture. And like for this to be his first official loss. Makes all the sense in the world, and even though they had Red Dragon try to get involved, it didn't work out. And the Dark Order coming out to even the odds was great. I love them still making sure they're keeping an eye out for their boy. So Hangman at least had friends. That was good. That was good at least. Um, but it was great. It was outstanding. I loved Hangman hitting the boom. Like it was an outstanding main event match. Like, like I would say, like this was probably. My second favorite match on the ma- on the show, behind the uh, dog collar match, like it's it's hard to choose between that. The face of the revolution ladder match was outstanding. The tag match was outstanding. Eddie and Jericho was great. Like this match, this this card had a couple matches that were just kind of like, oh, it's eh. but like everything else was either great to like, so good, like outstanding.
2: Yeah, Brian Danielson, uh, Brian Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson and Mox. That was probably three for me. Two for me uh, was uh, CM Punk and uh, MJF. Uh, One for me was the triple tag, and that's not including how much I loved uh, loved uh, Trish Jericho and um, Eddie Kingston. It was right there. I mean, it was really just it was a really good wrestling show. I mean, personally, I did think there was some missing. I think I either needed a chain title change or a big event to happen.
1: Yeah, but, well, I mean, but, yeah, I th- I there was a couple, like, debuts that were huge. But, like, for the most part, like, yeah, it was it, – but, again, we got All Out, which was huge in itself with – Yeah,
2: and it, there's, and that's what I'm like. It's just, like, you had a wor- – you would go from the double debuts, the amazing debuts at All Out, the world title change at uh, Full Gear – they kind of needed a pay per view like this to just say, "Hey, sometimes we're just going to give you a really, really great wrestling show." Yes, you can't expect like no one's going to show up at every show. It's impossible to keep that standard. And yeah, yep. it, it, this just kind of made it a more you know realistic down. It, it brought you down a little bit, and they may you know it even may uh it may even lose like not, not get as many buys, but. I want to be consistently good expect, and steadily because you can't expect mind-blowing amazing every time because it's just – that's right. not something you can keep up with. There's only so, so many wrestlers. There's only so many, you know, debuts you can do. Right.
1: But that was AEW Revolution 2022, a really damn good pay-per-view and had probably one of my favorite AEW matches of all time on it. So there's that. Um We'll go ahead and toss it to our boy Floyd because, I mean, like, not only was he in Orlando for Revolution, he was there for Dynamite, he was there for Rampage, and him and Tiffany had a little visit to one Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World, which I saw them posting about on Twitter, and I know Tiffany couldn't even – contain her excitement with that with her being the massive Star Wars head that she is. So, um so I will I will I will step back and I will let Floyd go through his outstanding AEW filled and Star Wars filled week in Orlando. And I'm
2: going to do my best to keep this like under a few minutes. We did go long with the review so I just want to make sure like uh Wednesday we did uh we flew in, drove up to Jacksonville for Dynamite. That was awesome, just a great show. Um you know just a really good show uh, met every you know got to see so much of our family our wrestling family but the highlight of Wednesday was when we were driving back I took Tiffany to the Bucky's for the first time so Tiffany got to experience Bucky's she loved it I let her you know we got she got to take it all in there were some wrestlers in there it was like Red Velvet uh Kylan King uh Chandler Hopkins they were uh, just in there got to say hello to them Got to meet from Twitter. i met Shining Polaris, which is Christine uh, from Twitter. She was at Bucky's, so that was cool. The next morning, after very little sleep, we went to Disney. Shout out to Mary Kate uh, for the hookup. Uh, we went to Galaxy's Edge. Uh, first thing we did was uh, Tiffany made her a droid. Uh, I recorded the whole thing, 14-minute long video of her from beginning to the end, picking her parts and making a droid, and she did that. Then we had some uh, blue milk. Uh, I mean, so I don't know how many people have been to Galaxy's Edge, but it's a fully immersive experience. You are literally in a star, like uh, a you know facsimile of a Star lower, uh, Star Wars village. They're saying cr- everything's in credits and units and. The different meals they have. Everybody stays in character the whole time. Uh, you're going into the shops. They're called Trading posts. It's just an uh, uh, amazing experience. We did uh, uh, did the millennial Falcon and Star Tours. Uh, just want to, yeah. Um, Tiffany's friend, and I want to get his name right, uh, but he uh, is a season ticket holder, Matthew Balk. He's a season ticket holder to Star Wars, and he came through and he took us through the rides, and he got us on the newest ride, which is Rise of the Resistance. Rise of the Resistance is the best ride I ever went on. I would love to describe Rise of the Resistance to you, but I think it would ruin your first experience. So for everybody that is thinking about it, go ride Rise of the Resistance. It's the, most, it's the best, most unique ride I've ever been on, 10 out of 10 Perfect score. I would literally go stand in line for three hours to get on it again. It was that fun. Uh, we just had a, an amazing day. We sat there and let it get dark. We we just kind of chilled and talked and watched everybody. People watched a little bit, and then it got dark, and we got all her pictures with uh in front of the millennium falcon at night with all the mountains and then mary Kate came and we went and she got to do the millennium falcon with mary Kate which they are both big massive star wars fans so that was a moment it was a perfect day and like even though i'm not as big a star wars fan as tiffany watching someone experience one of the best days of their life was like very satisfying for me it was very it brought me a lot of joy uh next day we kind of chilled uh, went to Disney Springs. There was a couple more Star Wars stores there. When it had a really overpriced dinner at Plenty Hollywood, I don't recommend it. Uh, um, then we went to Rampage where I saw an amazing triple threat match with Sammy uh, Darby and Andrade. Uh, even Tiffany said it, and I think a lot of people saw You saw why they signed Andrade in that match. Uh, He really shined in that match. And Darby was Darby. And it was a real fun match. And I love how Darby reacts to losing. I'm a good guy. I'm not going to attack you from behind or anything. But no, I'm not shaking your hand. And again, that was just like one of those moments. His character is kind of like everything I like in wrestling. And then uh, Saturday. What did we do Saturday? Uh, Fan Fest. Uh, That was fun. Uh, I posted a video on my at Floyd Johnson Jr. It was from Tiffany. Uh, it's pinned to my account. I got to meet FTR. Now, I got a picture made for FTR and I think I might have mentioned it on the show or not but, uh, before, but if it not, uh, the, this talented artist D underscore Topla on Twitter was, uh, brought an image I had in my life uh, to like, I kept watching Dax every day Hitman and Caffeine, Hitman in this. He would talk about how much he loves Bret Hart. And I was like, dude, you know what I would want? I would want a picture with Bret Hart. And this is exactly how I describe it. I want Bret Hart in the middle, Cash on the right, Cash on the right, Dax on the left, and all in pink and black gear. Like they're all a member of the Hart Foundation. Then D Topla sent me the outline. Then she colored it and had living legends on the back it was the perfect picture it was exactly what i wanted brought out on a sheet of paper and we printed it out and i printed out copies for them to give to them and then i printed out me a big copy to get signed and i got it in the videos up they loved it loved it loved it loved it i was so happy i could do it for them uh dax said it's going up in his bar Uh, they liked it. They was like, do you have another one for Brett? And I was like, I do. And he's like, we're going to sign it. And they literally signed. Sorry, I said that again. uh, They said, do you have another one that you're going to give to Brett? And I was like, yes. And they said, can we sign it? So they both said to Brett on it. And I love you. So when I go meet Brett Hart next month at WrestleCon, I am giving him the eight by 10 signed to him by FTR. How awesome is that? Huge, so So, cool. So, this, uh, this once you know, one time thing, and they just seemed so happy, they loved it so much. Uh, yeah, it was great. I almost forgot to get my picture with them, and Cash is like, It's not like we don't have a hundred after because I do at least have 10 or 11 pictures with FTR, and I've just got this massive collection of FTR stuff that one day I'm gonna figure out the right way to display. Uh, but yeah, uh, and that was that was that made my day. That was the day, but and you think your day couldn't get better. Well, there's a tag team that we follow called t s f They are Rosario Grillo and Hunter Not. they're also at WrestleHouseLive House live on Twitter. I've been on Twitch with them and everything i bought I bought the shirts to support them, and I, and me and tiffany uh we both packed, and we get to the room and Tiffany's like, "Well, uh, to the fan fest, I'm thinking." Of wearing a TSF shirt because they they work the fan fest as like people to let you in and everything and I laugh and she's like what's well, funny and I was like I did the same thing and I pulled out my TSF shirt we both had the same plan without talking to each other to Beautiful. pop to pop our friends so we get there and we just did it for them Grillo was working the front Hunter was working we just did it for them we just wanted to, you know people out there wearing their shirts right. So we go up to meet Anthony Agogo. Anthony Agogo pulls. He's like, look at what shirts they're wearing. And I mean, he pops like a little kid. He was more excited for us wearing TSF shirts than TSF was. And they were fucking excited. And he's like, oh, we got to get a selfie with you wearing the shirt. And if you see in our pictures, he's pointing at my shirt. ITSF shirt. And I pointed at Tiffany. So and her, cool. And she's so cool. wearing the shirt too. So he gets a picture with them and he's like, Yes, let's get it, because they're wearing the TSF shirt. Aaron Solu, Nick Camarado, uh, uh, what is it? Everybody pretty much. And then uh like Jade says, Oh, y'all are the people wearing the TSF shirts. Because Anthony Agogo had literally mass messaged everybody from the Nightmare Factory that there were two people there wearing the TSF shirt. And she's like, now they' bit, their heads are going to get all big. And I'm like, I hope they do, because we love it. <laughs> and we hope they do. It was just such an experience. And it, literally, we just did something. We thought we were doing something cool and nice for our friends. We did not expect that reaction from everybody. And it may warn my heart, because the people that if you go to the Nightmare Factory and you're part of the Nightmare Family or whatever... They have each other's back. They love the shit out of each other. They are a family. And I just thought that was so cool. Uh, that it, 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 like that made my day. We then got to see Mikey Ruckus in concert. And I got to see my boy, at Rich Lada32, perform. Let's go! Yeah, he got, to, he got to see him rap and perform. And that was just a proud moment. Because, you know, you see your friend up there doing what he was born to do. And he was on a different level. And yeah, uh and then we, we already talked about revolution and then yeah, we flew home. I just I, I, I did it I mean that for me, I could that could have been an hour and a half. I feel like I did a good job of abbreviating it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you did a really good <laughs> job of condensing everything about as good as he could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that was a huge weekend though. I'm glad y'all had a it, great it was, time it though, was a even though
2: weekend it was a mood changer. It was a... Uh, a life-changing weekend. It, it it was a life-affirming weekend. It reminded yeah. me of why I get up and work every day and you know, you know why you do good things for people. And sometimes you just want to, you know, like that whole thing, it was literally just us not trying to get anybody to look at us. It was just, "Hey, I think it would be cool to represent our boys while we're there." And we did, and yeah, it turned into something more. I don't think this weekend could have been better. I really don't.
1: Yeah. Super sweet that you did that. It's a shame that you pretty much ruined it by wearing that dog shit MJF shirt at Revolution. But you know what? You could have wore the TSF shirt again, but you decided to wear that shirt for no fucking reason.
2: Uh, 2-1-1. MJF 2-1-1. Against the Funk. To- uh, No. No. Him. Him well, we're going to
1: we're going to we're going to close things out. We're going to close things out though. We're going to talk about the AEW Dynamite preview that is happening uh you guys will be hearing this on Wednesday. So tonight uh we're going to get a TNT title match between Scorpio Sky and Sammy Guevara. Scorpio finally getting his rematch, his chance at the title. Uh the whole uh American Top Team was watching from the Yeah, I uh, forgot to say. For
2: the show. AEW sign page Vincent. That was, pretty they did. Cool. that was pretty big signing.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, again, more additions to the women's roster, I think, is the one thing in terms of the AEW roster that is something that they could use. So I think that is good. Um, and, uh, hey, I, I Scorpio gets a TNT title match. He probably won't win the thing, but I'm very happy that he's at least getting the shot. And the winner will face Wardlow at uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam for the uh, for him to cash in his face of the revolution uh, brass ring, uh, we're gonna get a number one contenders match for I believe the AW women's title for Thunder Rosa versus Layla Hirsch. So and yeah, that, this
2: was so weird. It needs to be needs to be uh, needs to be uh, explained. Thunder Rosa just lost. How did she just go down to two? Uh I guess again, like because. All they don't have anybody else. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. So, and the winner gets a match at St. Patrick's Day Slams, which happens to be in San Antonio, Texas, the home of who? Uh, that would
1: be Thunder Rosa. Yeah. So, one uh, well, also yeah. didn't that that famous uh, that famous lights out match was at St. Patrick's Day Slam too.
2: Yeah. So it looks like we're gonna get that match again, and in San Antonio. I, you know, I don't think there's any way in hell Leila Hirsch wins this match. And I think we get Thunder Rosa versus Rick Baker in San Antonio. And I think Thunder Rosa might we might be getting the title change there.
1: There you go. And then we have Chris Jericho uh, responding to Eddie Kingston on him not shaking his hand after the match. He's going to address him. And then uh, there's another thing written on the notes. Uh, Floyd, do you want to go ahead and uh, mention this?
2: That's uh, March 8th. Uh, was the final day of the I was either the final day or the day is a 90 day contract expired of Mr. Jeffrey Nero Hardy and everyone seems to think he's going to debut at this show in Miami I mean it's not Miami it's in Florida I don't know what city it's called but it's in Florida but, uh, yeah, most people, but it looks like Jeff Hardy's going to debut. There was a little silence there because my literally my thing came out, my mic came out, and I didn't notice that he came out, and I just kept talking. Oh, hey. <laughs> So, yeah, that's why you didn't get anything. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, so, but, yeah, so it looks like we're going to get Jeffrey Nero there, and we'll look at who's going to be probably the number one contenders for the tag belts hangman's next challenger we'll probably see all of that on the show
1: yeah i mean again i'll, I'll if, if jeff hardy truly does show up it'll be huge for certain but that is the preview for aw dynamite uh but before we go i know floyd we have some uh we have to let everyone know about uh some ticket sales that are gonna be gonna, gonna be going on soon
2: aw staying in our pocket tour continues uh five shows go on sale this weekend uh, one that's really important to my boy Austin. Uh, so m- 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 May 4th, we're going to have Baltimore, Maryland uh, goes on sale this week. Uh, May 18th in Houston, Texas goes on sale this week. Uh, May uh, June 1st in Los Angeles, California goes on sale this week. June 3rd in Ontario, California goes on sale this week. And last but not least, June 29th. Detroit, Michigan. It finally, AEW finally comes to Detroit for Sydney and Austin. Uh, 313, stand up. Uh, 313, stand up. It's going to be so fun. Uh, it's going to be so fun uh, to go to that show. It's going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, so you can, you can bet your ass that me and Sydney are going to that show, and Void is also going to be coming to that show for certain. Uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Uh, it's a shame that it's already when Brandy's gone, though. I know she she tweeted it out about it finally getting Detroit, and she was so happy about it, which is awesome. Um, but you know what? We still got Dan Housen. We still got Dan Housen and Excalibur. So Detroit is still being represented in AEW. So let's let's go. Let's go.
2: Yes. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, Cody and Brandy would have, come uh they've come It's
1: after work. double or nothing. You never know.
2: Cody and Brainy would have come to their agreement back with AEW and they can be at that show. Uh yeah. As, as much as I am pretty sure that Cody's gone, there's that little piece of sliver of hope. It's You're like, holding on to the CM Punk there. hope all of a sudden. I'm hoping that he comes back. I'm not making any plans based on Cody coming back like I did with CM Punk. Uh I am Just hoping that he shows up somewhere. I have called it. I have called it for a month. I think I told Austin this like three weeks ago. I said if Cody shows up in WWE, I said it's going to be March 14th, and it's going to be in Jacksonville. And not just because it's in Jacksonville, but I do think that's a reason. But the main thing is I think before he debuts on another network to keep his great relationship with TBS – he wanted the final episode of the Go Big Show to, uh, uh, to uh, air. And Austin, based on all these clues, you know when the finale of the Go Big Show is?
1: I believe it, it coincides with that very much so.
2: Yes, the finale of the Go Big Show is tomorrow. So it will be March 10th. And he is not under contract with AEW. Seth Rollins just lost his chance at Mania this week on Raw, and he needs to find a way to get back on the Mania card, March 5th, 14th, live from Jacksonville, Florida, that's when I called Cody Rhodes showing if he's going to show up in WWE. If he doesn't show up Monday, I don't think he's signing with him. All right. Oh, there you go. All right. And that's it.
1: That's all I got. That's all we got. But that is going to do it for this episode of All 3. Things Elite covering AEW Revolution. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this show every single week. Continue to please download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or anywhere else you get podcasts, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating and a review. You can leave a donation through Red Circle. But on Twitter, we are at AT ATElitePod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows that they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will leave it off to my friend Floyd so he can take us home on this episode of All Things Elite.
2: All right. As uh, someone that has been struggling lately, I always say... I want to tell everybody, make sure you're being open about your mental health, Uh, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, just make sure you keep your friends and family involved. I know it's hard, especially if you're a private person. I am not a private person, so I don't have that problem, but I do know some people out there, but at least let someone know, let someone close to, you know, and don't be afraid to seek the help that you may need. We all can be struggling with different things. It's Life is hard at times. It is beautiful, it is fun, it is frustrating. It is all the gamut of emotions, but the one that it, everyone has at sometimes it is hard. And don't be afraid to confide in someone and let them know where you're at mentally cuz that's the you know that's how you're going to get through it is with help. Everyone needs help sometimes. So with that, I will leave you as I always leave you. Whether it is home work or school, always do your best to be elite.